Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. So the ministry of Jesus started when he was about 30 years old. And then you may remember the kickoff point was when he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And then the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Why? What is up with that? Because the only way to build endurance in your faith is for your faith to be tested. You know, James is the one who gives us insight on this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So I, I suggest that you should decide right now to stop griping about your troubles. Isn't that good advice? <laughs> and don't just stop griping, but choose to be joyful in your troubles. Because when you do, your troubles no longer bring you down, but they help you to grow all the way to completion to where you need nothing. That's incredible. That's what Jesus did for 40 days. He took the fast track. 40 days. Most people spend decades griping about their troubles when they could have just used their troubles to become fully developed in the things of God in as little as 40 days. That sounded like an infomercial. In as little as 40 days. But it's true. Griping about them keeps them around. Using them to grow ships them to the curb. Hallelujah. So after this time of testing, Jesus returned to Galilee. He is completely filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was teaching almost daily in the synagogues. And he was praised by everybody. Go, Jesus! Yeah! Everyone spoke well of him. They were amazed at his teaching until... Until... His teaching started to be fulfilled before their eyes. And then they tried to kill him by running him off of a cliff. In other words, they were okay with his teaching. They were okay with him saying these crazy things. But as soon as he started to demonstrate, they're like, oh, no. We're not having it. We're going to kill this guy. So the first spiritual gift that Jesus operated in was the teaching gift. Does anybody know what the next one was according to the Gospel of Luke? What was the next spiritual gift that he operated in? He went from teaching to what? Was it healing? I hear preaching over here. Was it preaching? Was it healing? Turning the water into wine? Was it miracles? Like, what was next? Oh, I heard it. Casting out demons. He went from teaching directly to casting out demons. Wow. Let's read about it. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to verse 33. So Luke chapter 4, verse 33. <laughs> Jesus, what a wild man, going from teaching to casting out demons. Isn't there like a more progressive path <laughs> than that? <laughs> chapter 4, verse 33. Once when he was in the synagogue, when Jesus was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd watched. Wow, that was quite the church service, wasn't it? And then it came out of him without hurting him further. And amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words 
words, words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and they flee at his command. And then the news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region because he cast out a demon. Wow. The New Living Translation uses the word possess. You know, it said a man possessed by a demon. And that's how most of us would think about a situation like this, right? We would say, we would call them possessed. But let's take a look at what the New King James Version says. It says, now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a demon, a spirit of an unclean demon. So this got me curious. What does this word translated to had in the New King James Version and possess in the New Living Translation, what does it actually mean? And in the original Greek language, the word is actually echo. Echo. And here's what it means. To hold in the hand, to wear. To have possession of the mind, to be joined together like in marriage. It's when you're so close to something that you're an echo of that thing. You say what it says, you do what it does. Notice it said nothing about having possession of your spirit. Yet that's how most of us think about demonic issues. We think it's full-on possession, spirit, soul, and body. You're giving the devil too much credit. Come on. I've yet to find where the Bible says that a demon can possess your spirit. Now, I'm still learning. I'm just letting you know I haven't found it yet. Your body? Uh-huh through sickness and all that kind of stuff. Your mind? Yeah. And digging into this Greek word echo gives us insight into how this happens. How does somebody have a demon? It all starts when somebody begins to hold on to the things of the devil. Let me give you an example. Like when Beth and I started dating, we didn't go straight to the bedroom, although I know some people do that these days, not, not advised. We started by holding hands. We were holding hands. And then, it's, and then you kind of start to wear these things like clothing. We get a little closer, we start to hug. So we're talking about any kind of sin that you embrace. You're holding on to what belongs to the devil. You're holding it in your hand. And then you put it on. And you continue to wear these things. And, and then the devil takes possession of your mind after that. And now you can't get your mind off of it. You think about it all the time. Your, your thoughts drive you deeper and deeper into darkness. Anybody been there? You don't have to raise your hand. A good example of this would be pornography. I mean, the more you keep it around, the more of a stronghold it becomes. It possesses your mind to where you just go to deep depths to watch more and more and more and more and more. You have to have more and more and more. And then you become joined together with this thing, whatever it is. You link arms with it, like in marriage. No longer can you just casually walk away from it. If you want to get away from it now, you have to have a full-on divorce, a.k.a. you got to be delivered. That's why the demon threw this man on the ground on his way out, because divorces are never pretty. If you read my book, Jesus Ain't Woke, you know that I was delivered from homosexuality. And this progression that I just talked about matches exactly what I went through. And I didn't even recognize it until I was studying it, studying for this message today. And it started with me picking it up and putting it back down. Picking it up again, putting it back down, putting it back down. And then I picked it up and I put it on. And it didn't take long before it possessed my mind. 
It consumed my thoughts, and before I knew it, I became closely joined together with an unclean spirit. We were pals. But only because I opened the door and I allowed it to come in. And this is going to throw you for a loop. I grew up in church. My grandpa was a pastor. My dad was a church leader. We were in church every Sunday, not just that, but every Wednesday too. I loved God. I really did. I loved the church. I loved Jesus. I was even leading the youth worship band. And get this, God's love and presence would show up in those worship services that I was leading. Manifest. Yet I was joined together with an unclean spirit. I had a demon. Did I feel conflicted inside? More than you can even imagine, unless you've been there. So conflicted. I should have been diagnosed as bipolar because I was one person at church and then another person at school. Really. Almost daily, I would be thrilled by the unclean spirit. They bring a thrill into your life for a moment. And then I'd be crying out to God for forgiveness that night. I was in a constant like state of yo-yo torment, up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And no one knew I was being tormented because when I was at church, I was all in. When I was with the wrong crowd, I was all in. Both sides of my life thought I was good, but I wasn't. I thought it was me. I did. I was fighting myself all the time. I was asking God for forgiveness. I was making promises that I would never do it again. I'd never do it again, but nothing was working. And then people were telling me, why are you fighting this? You were born that way. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And so I was tempted in that moment to take this on as my identity. The devil was working hard to snuff out that part of me that was pursuing God. Because he wanted me to fully identify with the unclean spirit. So this man that we were reading about that had an unclean spirit, did you recognize that he came to church that day? He was just sitting there quietly listening to Jesus teach. We don't know this for sure, but I bet he went for a way to look out of his torment that day. He heard about this amazing teaching of Jesus, and he thought, he, he probably has the answer. I'm going to go hear from this guy. And the teaching of Jesus was so agitating to that demon that it cried out. It couldn't hide any longer. It knew its time was limited. So with a simple command, Jesus delivered this man from the torment that he had been going through. He made the, le- he made the demon leave, but he let the man stay. I want you to know, he made the demon leave, but he let the man stay. These days, when we have a manifestation like this at church, we leave the demon in the person, and we tell the person to leave. Amen. Let me remind you of what Jesus actually told us to do regarding this. And it's found in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Not cast out people, cast out demons. The first sign that Jesus mentions of believers is that they will cast out demons. And what's the first thing that Jesus did? He cast out demons. The first sign that he mentions of believers is they will cast out demons. And it goes on to give others like speaking in tongues and healing, but let's focus on this one today. The first on the list is casting out demons. And if it's the first on the list, that means it's going to be a frequent occurrence. So what's going on? What's going on? I've been in church for 34 years, my whole life. I was a worship leader for over 10 years. I've been a lead pastor for almost five years, and I've never seen a demon cast out. Never seen it. I've, I've witnessed numerous healings, 
speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, prophecy, financial miracles, but I've never seen a demon cast out. Why? I've heard about it happening overseas. I mean, my dad tells me stories of it happening in the Philippines, but I don't hear about it happening in our local churches. Does this mean there's no demons around here? (laughs) Y'all answered that quick. Or have we just become so used to them that we just let them hang around? All you have to do is look at the state of our nation to realize that demons are having a heyday in America right now. Like they're having a good old time because there's little to no resistance. The believers aren't, the believers aren't cast them in, casting them out, just tolerating them. Yeah, sure. So it's got to be the latter. We must have become desensitized to unclean spirits. They do their best to fly under the radar. Y'all know that demons don't want to be noticed, right? But why have we been letting them hide? That's my question. Why do do we let them hide? Why don't we do what Jesus did and agitate them so much that they have to manifest? How many of y'all want to agitate some demons? Do you realize this is an important part of deliverance? Because if we don't know they're there, how do we cast them out? Let me give you an example. Consider a boss who didn't know if he had employees or not. He just didn't know. So he shouted, hey, if you're there, I command everybody to get to work. How would the employees respond to that? He doesn't even know we're here. And they'd continue on with their party and doing whatever they wanted to do. It was the bold teaching of Jesus that agitated that demon so much that it came out of hiding and it manifested itself. So that's the first step. Agitate the demons. How do you do it? With the unhindered word of God. You can't water it down. You can't only choose the parts that you like. You got to preach the whole word of God. And trust me, it'll agitate the demons. And keep agitating until they manifest. Make them mad. But you can't just stop there. Once a demon makes itself known, you have to cast it out. Most Christians will just get scared at this point. They may be okay with agitating the demon, but as soon as it shows up, they get scared and they run off. Or they run the person off, right? Most church leaders would try to protect the church's reputation by, by moving the person into a side room and telling them not to come back to church. That's, that's what's going on. Jesus told us to do neither of those. He didn't say to run and hide. He didn't even say to keep things nice and orderly. He said to cast out demons. It should be happening on the regular. So why are we letting the demons hang around? We've been duped. We've been duped. Casting out demons is too messy. It doesn't fit into our perfect performance church services. It doesn't fit in there. And on top of it all, we've been taught that a Christian cannot have a demon. Because we think that demons possess your spirit. And that's where the whole theory comes from. That Christians can't have a demon. They can't be tormented by a demon. So people are going to church every Sunday while they're living in a constant state of torment because we're leaving them there. Like a bunch of wusses, not doing what Jesus told us to do. Amen. We tell them to read the Bible more. We tell them to go to the doctor and get some meds. We tell them to go through our 12-week program. Can I tell you something? If a demon is causing the torment, the only way to get rid of it is to cast it out. Is to cast it out. Hmm. Prayer is not going to work for that. Prayer is a good thing. I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm telling you, if there's a demon, he didn't say to pray it out. He didn't say to sing it out. He didn't say to 12-week program it out. He didn't say it takes three, four steps, however many steps to cast. He didn't say any of that. 
We must stop trying to come up with our own solutions and do what Jesus told us to do. Cast out the demon. Get rid of it. Am I saying that everything's a demon? No. No. But we can't keep on living like nothing's a demon. (laughs) Come on. Just look at the ministry of Jesus. One of the first things he did was cast out a demon. Then he kept at it. What did he do? He cast out demons everywhere he went. He was casting out demons out of the multitudes. And then he had his disciples cast out demons. Then he told us to cast out demons. We're about to see that in a minute. Praise God. This tells me that there are demons that need to be cast out. And they're not just tormenting non-believers. They're tormenting people right within the church. Even as a born-again believer, you can pick up sin... And put it back down. You can pick up sin and put it on. Wear it like clothes. And you can keep it around so long that it consumes your mind. And then you get joined together with it. That was me. I was joined together with that unclean spirit of homosexuality. And that's really what's going on with most people in the LGBTQ movement, by the way. You should have compassion for them because they're joined together with an unclean spirit. And somebody's got to stand up and cast it out. So that was me until one day I had enough of this unclean spirit. I was in my bedroom seeking God when I dropped to my knees and I said this, God, I don't just want your forgiveness. I want freedom. Take this from me so that I can live for you. At that moment, I sensed something leave my body. And in its place came the love of God, so magnificent and so consuming that I was just laying on the floor weeping for I don't know how long. Deliverance happens in a moment. It may be a long road leading up to it, mainly because the believers are not out there doing what they're supposed to be doing. But when it comes, deliverance happens in a moment. So now let's head to Luke 6, because we're going to gain some more insight onto why demons torment people. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. It says, When they came down from the mountain, Jesus and the disciples, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. They were people from all over, Judea and from Jerusalem and from the far north and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and healed everyone. There you go, bud. Right there in the middle of healing, healing, delivered from demons, healing, healing. It was all part of the process. Healing was coming to people because they were being delivered from demons. So in Luke 4, we heard Jesus delivered that man who had a demon. And this scripture said that he delivered those who were troubled by demons. Did you catch the difference? That man had a demon. These were troubled by demons. So let's dig into the word translated to troubled so that we can understand the difference. And here's what you'll find. It means to excite a mob against one, to harass, disturb, and trouble, to be molested by demons. That's what it means. And that last one brings a lot of clarity. Some people with demons were molested by demons at a young age or at a weak point. It has nothing to do with the choices they made. So I just told you how you can have a demon because of the choices that you make to join yourself together with sin. And now I'm showing you that not everybody who has a demon made choices that got them there. Some people were molested 
by demons. And sometimes the devil even sends a mob of demons against you, probably because you're about to destroy his kingdom and he's trying to stop you. So now we know people can have demons because they open the door themselves by engaging with demonic things. Others have demons because their parents didn't protect them, or maybe their parents brought it into the home, or the devil's just out to stop them. Either way, in order to receive deliverance from demonic oppression, you need to recognize that you need it. Recognize that you need it. That demon has to come out of hiding so that it can be cast out. I'm going to tell you this. Most people who have a demon don't know it. They're unaware. I didn't even recognize that's what was tormenting me all that time until recently. You have to make a decision to cut ties with that unclean spirit so it can be cast out. If you deny the unclean spirit, if you just say, no, that's not my problem, it's going to stick around because it can hide. So this will probably get loud. It'll probably get messy. But the ministry of deliverance is upon us. We're ready. We're ready. It's time to cast the demons out and set the captives free. No more are we going to make up excuses that allow people to remain tormented by evil spirits. We're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to do what Jesus told us to do. In his name, you will cast out demons. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.